This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is The Buck Sexton Show. All right, Team Buck, welcome back to The Hut. We're joined by our friend Andy McCarthy now. He's a contributing editor at National Review, also a former federal prosecutor. Andy, great to have you, sir. Great. Great to be with you, Buck. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Uh, So the Russians are coming, Andy. The Russians are coming. New York Times, (laughs) full-on panic. Freaking us all out. What did you make of this piece that says that the Russians deployed, as they write, the perfect weapon? Yeah, well, you know, I I must say, I I don't know if uh, life is long enough to read the whole New York Times report. It was really long. It's like 8,000 words, I think. But um, I'm just struck by, by how the worm has turned, you know, for years, uh, decades, a number of us were uh, very concerned about the Kremlin and uh, espionage and, and all that sort of good stuff. And the Times was the very model of uh, the progressive pieties that, that uh, told us that the, uh, you know, the, the worst thing you could be was an anti-communist. The anti-communists were a bigger threat to liberty uh, than uh, the, the communists that they were so worried about. And the Times was basically the personification of the uh, anti-anti-communist. And now uh, it seems like, uh, you know, they're very, very upset and worried about uh, the Kremlin. And anybody who won't, uh, you know, doesn't have the verve uh, to, to take up uh, the cause of confronting our uh, enemies in, the, in, the, uh, in Moscow who have stolen the election is a sort of a, a know-nothing uh, uh, sympathizer of the, yeah, Russian of the students, enemy. I just, basically say I you're just on Putin's payroll. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, writing for National Review, as I, I uh, noted uh, tongue-in-cheek this morning, I think Bill Buckley must be smiling down someplace to see the role reversal because it really is quite striking. It does seem like there's been major, there have been major cyber intrusions going on for years under this administration, uh, the response has been anemic, uh, and, and now they're willing to say that, of course, because it benefits them. Look, Obama's leaving office. He wasn't good on cyber. They'll say that because it bolsters this narrative that Russia, really what they're trying to get at is Russia through the U.S. election, right? I mean, I think we can all, that's, whether they're saying it or implying it, that's supposed to be the conclusion, that the takeaway from... Well, yeah, of course, if of course, if it were uh, if they believed it were true, they would say it. Uh, the reason they're implying it is they, you know, they'll hope they hope that you'll skip over that little part where you have to connect up the evidence to the conclusion you want to draw. So they have a lot of evidence of 
uh, cyber espionage activity and hacking. Um, they have not nearly enough evidence that uh, actually they have no evidence that the election was actually tampered with. And I'm I'm struck by, by the fact that uh, in the waning weeks of the election, and mind you, I have not exactly been like the world's biggest Trump supporter, right? But in the waning weeks of the election, uh, Trump went on this narrative that the election was rigged. And he got pressed for, you know, well, what's your hard evidence of that? Show us that a single voting machine's been tampered with. Show us that anywhere there's been a flood of, uh, you know, people who are not qualified to vote who've been able to vote. And Trump's basically had to backpedal a bit and say, well, that's not what I meant by rigged. What I meant was that the, the uh, coverage is hopelessly biased. And, you know, they all then sort of cheered that uh, he had made this outrageous allegation but wasn't able to back it up with evidence so what do we have here now we have the democrats coming out and saying the election was hacked and they're now being asked hard questions well you know show us a single voting machine it's not even possible by the way as i understand it as a as a technical matter to hack an election because most of the system isn't even online no you you need russian agents in a trench coat and a fedora going from machine to machine (laughs) Finding a port that they could, you know, that they could actually connect to with like a USB device or something and which don't even exist on these voting machines anyway. And they'd have to make sure they only did it in, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania. When I, I think a fascinating part of this that gets overlooked, Andy, is that everybody thought Hillary was going to win. Look, I thought Hillary was going to win. Everybody thought Hillary was going to win. Yeah. So the whole game here was the Russians were trying to specifically agitate the overwhelmingly likely future president of the United States, and that was the purpose here? I mean, th- th- that they would throw this Hail Mary to turn the election to Trump, which is, again, that that's the conclusion we're supposed to draw from all this stuff that's being presented in the media. It's like Putin has some sort of a crystal ball about the U.S. election that the rest of us don't. Yeah, and, you know, let's uh, let's let's even indulge that possibility, which I agree with you is, is absurd, but uh, suppose it was true. Suppose that, you know, Putin did have an idea of, you know, trying to throw the election one way. Um, You know, if he didn't tamper with the actual voting machines, then uh, so what? You know, the the United States is the most consequential country in the world. There's a lot of uh, a lot of other countries for that reason uh, try to weigh in and influence the outcome of our elections. Uh, President Obama famously uh, tried to weigh in and influence the outcome of a number of foreign contests, like the Brexit vote and uh, the elections in Israel. This is what this is what nation states do. But again, I come back to the same point. If you haven't actually tampered with the election machines and you've just done an influence operation, how is what the Russians did, assuming it was aimed at the Democrats versus at the whole electoral system. Let's assume that it was actually aimed at the Democrats to hurt them in particular. How is that any different than what the Republicans deal with with respect to the mainstream media? I mean, as I understand the complaint that's being made, it's that uh, what the Russians did was unfair because the Democrats got exposed and the Republicans didn't. Uh, the Democrats' email got, uh, you know, put out there for public consumption, and the Republicans didn't. Well, you know, if their if their complaint 
and I'm not, you know, I'm not a fan of of uh, anybody getting hacked. I, d- I don't want to see it happen to anyone. But if their complaint is that there's too much true information out there about them and not enough about what about the uh, about their adversaries, or that their uh, internal communications were scrutinized and the Republicans have gotten off scot free. That's what Republicans deal with every single day with respect to the media. If the if you know if the complaint is that one side is subjected to a heightened level of scrutiny and the other one is given a pass, uh, dear Democrats, welcome to American politics from the other side. Right, and it really to me also brings up issues like when there's a, a leak, and there were many leaks from in, from during the uh, time of the Bush administration. You know, if, if there's a leak that comes from inside that's meant to to hurt, you know, President Bush's reelection chances, let's say against John Kerry, are we supposed to ignore that? I mean, there's some pretty amazing stuff in this New York Times article where they have these senior Democrat officials or senior DNC officials saying we couldn't believe the press was covering these stories. They're not. They they really think they're not going to cover this. I mean, that's. I, I think if anything, it showed how cozy they think their relationship actually is with the press that they would overlook. What made for pretty interesting reading, but what wasn't, I, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I'm of the so what mindset, not about, oh, Russia hacking. Yeah, Russia hacking is bad. But in terms of the actual election and the course of the election, uh, I think the FBI probe of Hillary Clinton, I think Hillary Clinton for we could talk about this for hours, was a much bigger issue than an email from Debbie Wasserman Schultz to somebody or Donna Brazil giving questions to Hillary ahead of a town hall. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. And even the Times managed to squeeze out seven or eight words out of 8,000 to make a fleeting reference to the fact that maybe, just maybe, uh, it was the fact that the Democrats nominated a fatally flawed, awful candidate uh, that actually explains their defeat, because at least there's a causative nexus between that and the result. And they can't show that with respect to the Russian hacking. And I, I... don't mean to beat a dead horse, but, uh, you know, what what got hacked here was information that the Democrats have never said was false information. I mean, you know, for, for three months or however long this went on with Podesta's emails and with the DNC's emails, uh, they never responded to them. They never made the claim because I don't think they they could have credibly that these were not authentic emails. Uh, so what they're essentially complaining about is that there was too much true information about them that was out there, and it was harmful. But I think at the end, uh, you know, the reason they lost is not because of what was in Podesta's emails or the DNC emails. And by the way, the DNC emails indicate that the Democrats actually rigged the election in the primary for Hillary. So, you know, it, it kind of exposes them as being guilty somewhat, to some extent of what it is that they're complaining about. So that's a whole nother uh, irony that that uh, uh, sort of hangs over this whole situation. But I, I, I also just, get annoyed by I, the, the sanctimony around the issue, Andy, of this is all about the integrity of our elections and preventing this from happening in the future. I am not aware of any way to prevent somebody from clicking on or to prevent somebody uh, who gets a phishing email, who responds with their password from having their email account access. I, I don't know what people think. That yeah, is what right. happened here. This is not yeah. uh, some, no. you know, th- this isn't an, an episode of that movie or, you know, an instance from that movie Swordfish, right. or, which was a terrible movie, uh, or The Matrix, <laughs> where this was really complicated stuff. Yeah, well, look, I just hope that Democrats will 
finally now join with me in in concluding that we really need to get out of the UN because you know there's an awful lot of Russian influence there, and I think we should just you know anything that has Russian influence in it we should just sort of pull out of and get out of, don't you think? Yeah, well, I don't understand why the media is the media now is is raising the alarm about. Well, I do understand, but I should say we should point out that the media is raising all these alarms about Russia. We got uh, on a hot mic, Obama speaking to Medvedev, saying, you know, after my election, I'll have more flexibility to sort of hang with you guys and, and work with you. So, well, which is it? Is Russia this irredeemable yes. enemy run by this thug that we shouldn't talk to about anything? Or should we have more flexibility to find areas where we can work with them? We can. I mean, they can't have it both ways. Yeah, well, they're, they're going to try. But I, I remember a short time ago when there were 50,000 Russian troops uh, marshaled on the uh, border of Ukraine when there was an article in a, a big piece in the, I think it was, I can't remember if it was the Times or the Washington Post, where administration officials were saying, well, you know, look, uh, they've marshaled a lot of troops, but it all comes down to intent. And who really knows what Putin's intent is here? So we've gone from a point where they said they couldn't tell us what Putin was thinking. This was like a nanosecond after they had taken uh, the Crimea and when they were still occupying and as they are uh, parts of Georgia, they got 50,000 troops on the Ukrainian border and they say, you know, we can't read Putin's mind here. We don't really know what what his intent is. And now suddenly the intelligence community has ESP and they know precisely what he was thinking. And it was to put his thumb on the scale as if he could uh, to swing the election. for So, Andy, like you, you don't buy that they because I know the FBI also already has come out and said, look, we're not we're not sure about the intent here. And as I said, strategically, that seems like a, a very uh, foolish thing to do. Why antagonize the next president of the United States for, for you know, w- with no real purpose other than just to antagonize. Right. It, it's it yeah, seems maybe. to me to be too. you know, Putin is a lot of things. I actually don't think he's dumb. I think he's shown a fair amount of savvy as a as a geopolitical actor but um you know i have to ask you do, do you take any do you have any uh faith in this line that's out there that we can't even be 100% sure that it's russia or are you are you are you 99% sure it's russia I and mean, i wanted to ask you. i'm 100 i'm 110% sure it's russia uh and i would i would want our money back if the intelligence community got up and said, you know, after looking at this hard, I don't think we don't think that the Russians meddle in our elections. I assume the Russians do everything they can to meddle in our election and to meddle in a lot of stuff. And I would point out that the Democrats welcome this kind of meddling. For example, in 1980, when uh, when Jimmy Carter asked uh, Brezhnev to do it on his behalf in order to stop Reagan the first time, and when Teddy Kennedy in 1984 asked Andropov to do it to stop Reagan the second time. So th- this sort of stuff goes on all the time. What I question is whether they can give us a, a, a rational interpretation of what the Russians were trying to accomplish. If, in fact, the Russians did have a, you know, a strategic plan for what they were trying to do here. But I take it as a given that the Russians and other sophisticated actors uh, who have capable, uh, you know, cyber espionage components try to meddle where they can meddle. And, you know, it's our responsibility to try to, to stop that. But it's a large, and I, I think it's an unbridgeable leap uh, to go from that premise to say that, 
you know, what Russia did here tilted the election to Trump, because I think what tilted the election to Trump is that the American people didn't want Hillary to be president. Andy McCarthy is a contributing editor at National Review. You can read his latest at National Review Online. Andy, great to have you, sir. Appreciate you making the time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Buck. Uh, team, the phone lines are open, 888-900-3393. Sponsor this half hour, silencershop.com. Uh, if you haven't thought about it before, give it some thought now. Getting a silencer is a fantastic idea. If you can, it's an accessory for your firearm that will make the whole shooting experience more enjoyable. Customers can trust that silencershop.com handles the process of getting a silencer quickly and correctly because they submit more forms than anybody in the country by a huge margin. When shooting with a silencer, shooting becomes more social. It's easier to communicate and enjoy the environment around you. And by the way, if you buy from silencershop.com, it's just like buying local since your local dealer is setting the price and making the profit. Now you can get the best price and know you're supporting your local business. So please check it out. Go to silencershop.com. They have a helpful staff. They've got a lot of information on the site. And, of course, all the best products and prices available on the market. Silencershop.com. Silencershop.com. Help make the world a quieter place. We'll be right back. Buck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Dispensing the truth. This is Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. Let's play this one from CNN last night. Clip four, go. Trotsky and Stalin compared to those two, (laughs) Vladimir Putin's a nice guy like uh, Don Lemon or Derek Jeter. Uh, You know, the the sad part is (laughs) that. The first time I've ever been compared to either of those two, but go on. Well, you, you deserve it. I mean, look. Uh, it's sad that we're having someone who's going to run the State Department, whose entire goal in life has been to pump oil and make money, who doesn't care for people who are suffering, who isn't going to support independent organizations, who's not going to come out and say women's rights are human rights, none of that stuff. Why is it okay to make all of these tremendous assumptions about uh, Rex Tillerson, what he would do as Secretary of State? It's interesting, isn't it, that there there is a sort of a, a knee-jerk reaction on the left that suggests that if you haven't been a, a government employee for much or most of your career, uh, you can't do a government job. I, I have to tell you, running ExxonMobil is vastly more complicated and has much more accountability than 99% of jobs that he would have or that, that you could have in the, in the federal government. That's just the truth. Um, and yet there's all this disparaging stuff said about and, and pump oil. That's who applauds this sort of statement. Pumping oil is a bad thing. What goes into your car? Half of petroleum, as you know, is used for products, not even necessarily 
used as fuel for vehicles. So uh, you you don't want a carbon-based economy, then you don't want an advanced economy. This notion that ExxonMobil is some sort of an evil corporation, this is just like a, a, a childish position taken by many on the left. And I'm amazed that they can go on TV and get applauded for this kind of stuff. Oh, Rex, head of Exxon, he's not going to speak about what – who knows? He doesn't know what he's going to speak about when it comes to women's rights. The guy's been the CEO of the biggest company in the world. He's probably got something to offer. I know the Russia ties, people say it's really troubling. Well, we'll see. That's why they have congressional hearings. Let's hear what these Russia ties are. If you're in the oil business on a global scale, yeah, you're probably going to be – Crossing, uh, crossing the road with Russia at some point. So, anyway, more on that coming up in a little bit. 888-900-3393. We'll be right back. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Team, we're joined now by Matt Walsh. He is an author at the Blaze and at the MattWalshBlog.com. On Twitter, he's at MattWalshBlog. Matt, good to have you. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, first, can you tell me a bit about being traumatized traumatized by a sexist, racist, transphobic mall Santa? That sounds scary. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I wish that you wouldn't drudge up these... Uh these memories buckets it's uh pretty difficult well, you know I, I recorded a video last uh last week about a mall santa that i encountered at the mall and um yeah i was just listing all the ways that it's offensive and there's the there's the obvious ones like you know not everybody's christian in the mall there are jews and muslims who aren't included in this uh but it's also offensive that he's uh straight you know why couldn't he be gay that it, it's offensive that there's so many reasons why it's offensive uh, milk and cookies, you know, offensive to lactose intolerant people. So anyway, I recorded that video and it got like 4 million <laughs> views. And mo- most of the people that uh, that watched the video thought, took it completely seriously and were, you know, thought that I was being completely sincere. And and, saw, and I've got a lot of very supportive emails from um, liberals telling me, you know, basically in, in solidarity, trying to encourage me. And I thought that was pretty, um, that was nice. So, so wait, there, there are people you're telling me about. There are people who I mean, we, we, do we have before before we play the audio. I know. Hold on a second, John. Before we play the audio, uh, there are people that that saw you talking about this and they thought you were serious. That they were actually really pleased that somebody was calling out the transphobia of Santa Claus. The vast majority of people, if you read the comments, the vast majority of people have taken it seriously on one side or the other. Like they're they're conservatives and they're calling me a liberal pansy or or you know words more vulgar than that. Or their liberals take it, but the vast majority, like ninety percent, taking it seriously. So that's, I guess that you know, th- that's where we are with liberalism now. That it's really hard to make a parody of it because it's so ridiculous that nobody can tell if you're doing a parody or if you're being serious. I will say that I've seen, unfortunately, a lot, with a lot of conservatives, sarcasm does not translate well on social media for some reason. Sarcasm and parody sometimes, you know, all you have to do is put out a tweet that's like, yeah, Hillary was a great presidential candidate, and you'll get people that are yelling at you, and it's it's difficult. Uh, that is something that, that is real. Let's play a little of Matt's audio. Four million views and counting. Go. <sighs> um, something good. Something terrible happened. Uh to me just now and um very traumatic i i 
I don't even know how to talk about this, but I was just, it was just in the mall. I, I went to the mall to buy some genderless, non-heteronormative, non-holiday specific gifts for my non-binary three-year-old Sky. And, uh, you know, I was just walking along looking, looking for like a gender neutral beige polka dotted cardigan for toddlers. When I happened to stumble upon, I, I stumbled upon, trigger warning here, I, I stumbled upon a Santa a mall Santa in a public place in the year 2016, because apparently this mall has never heard of the Declaration of Independence and the First Amendment of it, which says that you can't have religious holiday displays in places where there's other people that are not of that religion. It says it right in there. Now, I can't believe I have to explain to you bigots in the year 2016 why a mall Santa is extremely offensive. But let's start with the most obvious one. Not everybody is Christian. Hello. There were Jewish Americans walking in that mall, weeping because of this. Why couldn't there be someone dressed as uh, Moses or something for them? There were Muslim refugees from Syria, probably, walking in that mall. Why couldn't there be someone dressed as Muhammad for them? They would love that. I myself am an agnostic, Wiccan, Buddhist, vegan, wizard. And, of course, I was completely unrepresented by the mall Santa. But yeah, it's worse Matt, than that you, because you, the Santa... You were, you were completely unrepresented by the, by the mall Santa. I love that the, the verbiage you're using, by the way, and, and, and obviously it's, it's great parody, is, is the actual wording that the left uses for a lot of stuff. The sort of non-binary. Yeah, yeah. That's real. You're actually just taking what they say. You're not making up these words. No, no, not at all. And there, and there's a, there, as we know, there's a whole community of people who really are very uh, intent on raising their kids in a you know non-binary household. And so th this is something people do. They go out and they look for genderless toys and things like that. So it's like I said, it, once you've once you've got one side of the spectrum that has honestly descended into actual insanity, it it does make it difficult. And I mean, one it, on one hand, it's easy to make fun of, but on the other hand, it's it's difficult to parody. Because they are so insane, but I but I also think you know you mentioned that satire parody and that kind of thing doesn't play well with conservatives or they don't pick up on it as much and I think that is true but um, that's an, well on know, social on social media I'm just saying on Twitter and Facebook on yeah. social media but it's also but I mean look there's no it, it's it's a it's a tactic that we've pretty much ceded to the left it's they're the only ones that do it and it's effective I mean people it's an effective way of de deconstructing an argument even if it's a little bit ridiculous. Uh, and, uh, so maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe there should be more of these kind of things. Anyway, it's, it's fun to do anyway. So and I'm actually, there, there is a part of me that's a little surprised given how crazy the left has gotten in recent years or how far they're willing to go on some things that there isn't more, and this is going to sound crazy, but it's, I, I could see this happening. There isn't more outrage about Santa being overwhelmingly white and male, you know, that, that, that we don't hear more about the need for Santa diversity. Look, they'll get around to it. I, I mean, I, I did. I think the reason why I even made that, the thing that inspired me was that the uh, the story about, I think at the Mall of America, they had their first Black Santa, and it was treated as this uh, victory or whatever. Um, so I think they'll get around to it, but it's just when you've set out to be offended by literally everything in the world, it's you can't get, you know, it's, you gotta you have to take it one at a time. So it's, they'll, they'll get there, I'm sure. Why is it so fun or a better word why is it so gratifying 
for the progressives. And by the way, I, I, I more or less go get coffee at what would be considered a progressive coffee shop every morning as I sort of get ready for, for the day. And I'm surrounded by people that I, I hear the way they're speaking about things. There's a lot of people from the sort of tech and and fashion community near where I live. And, you know, of course, after the election, people were all talking. I could overhear things. Why is it fun to always be um, in a perpetual state of, of outrage? I mean, don't your hands get blistered after clutching your pearls so many times? I would think so, but I also think it's just, uh, well, I guess they call it virtue signaling these days, which I actually think that term is a little bit overused at times. But uh, it's a way of feeling morally superior, where you have all these rubes that are that are doing something or saying something, and they think it's harmless, and so you get to go in and be the intelligent one who explains, oh, no, this is actually problematic, because I learned about this in college and gender studies, let me tell you about it. And so it's just a way of, I think, showing off your intelligence and your supposed um, more refined moral sensibilities. And yet this stuff, to any normal person, would have sounded bizarre even five, maybe ten, but I would say five years ago, a lot of the positions that, that are taken now. I come across people who otherwise seem totally normal who think that, yeah, clothing for clothing for toddlers should be non-gender specific, that that should be the, you know, the, the, you mentioned like beige polka dot, you know, non-binary, non-cisgender uh, clothing for toddlers. There are people who, who who have been taught to believe that as though that's normal. Yeah, and it has happened really quick, very very rapidly. It's it's kind of surprising, but then it's not so surprising when you when you realize that uh, many people in our culture are kind of unmoored. They're they're not grounded in any kind of uh, moral code or or set of principles or anything, and so we're all kind of floating around um, untethered. And so it doesn't take much when someone presents a worldview to you. It doesn't take much for you to kind of adopt it. And once you've adopted it, then you'll just go along with, with the rest of it. So people have adopted progressivism as this, as the superior uh, way of looking at the world, and so they'll just follow it. You know, it's, when the next thing comes up that they're supposed to think, they'll just follow right along. I think that's what people do. Uh, we've been talking about it a bit on the show, Matt, but I, I wanted to get your take on it, and it's obviously uh, up on up on the Blaze dot com right now with your most recent piece. Uh, no, Russia didn't elect Donald Trump; the voters did. Uh, what do you say in the face of all all this? It, it really is a sort of Russia hysteria. It's like the Russians are invading. It's very strange because it's you know I, I was uh, I was just born in the, in the mid '80s. So I don't remember a lot of this, but I am aware that you know li- liberals in this country spent back when the Soviet Union actually was an evil empire trying to take over the world and pointing nuclear missiles at the United States and that sort of thing. You had liberals in this country that were the ones saying, no, no, they're misunderstood, you know, taking their side. And now all of a sudden, when that's over, they decide that Russia is the is the evil empire. So that is it's an interesting thing. Um, But I also think that, look, let's be honest. There's hypocrisy on both sides of this, because it was also not. But it seems like it was only just yesterday that conservatives were the anti-Russia hawks and the ones who practically wanted to go to war with Russia uh, you know, over them trying to take over the smaller states surrounding them. And now and now conservatives are the ones that are on Russia's side. So I, I, I know a lot of conservatives are saying that this is kind of a one-sided hypocrisy that's going on, but I don't really think. I, I think it's both sides. have. No, I think the answer is nobody really knows what they think about Russia. And so we're just kind of, we've all switched sides. And uh, it's like the hokey pokey or the, or, a, or a, you know, some dance thing. And, and it's just, it's everyone's confused. Yeah, we well, in the agency people would, and I'm sure it's borrowed from other places. People would always say, you know, where you sit is where you stand. Like whichever office you are in 
that was the most important issue facing the United States government at the time. And whatever issue you were on specifically in that office, you know, that was the most important, uh, uh, you know, portfolio that could possibly ever be addressed by U.S. government power. And I, I think what we're seeing here is there are a lot of people who I, I think there's been so much uh, hypocrisy going on that it almost feels like you got to fight fire with fire. And so, yeah, Russia, not yeah, not so bad <laughs> you know, because the Democrats are worse. Not a principled position, but I, I do think that people just feel like this is a food fight. Everybody's in the middle of it. I've already got, you know, cheddar soup on my face or whatever. So I might as well just throw some stuff at the other guy. Yeah, I think that's what everyone's doing, and I, I don't think I don't think we've uh, we haven't become more enlightened people because of it. But it is, it, I think, the actual right position on the Russia thing is pretty simple. It's not that hard to. There's a little bit of a nuance to it, but uh, the answer is that if Russia did, in fact, and this is all big if, but if they did actually hack the emails and if they did leak them with the intention of getting Donald Trump elected, those are all big ifs. And maybe we'll never know the answer to that question. But if that were true then that is significant, and it should be investigated, and that's something that we should all take exception to as Americans because this is a foreign government trying to involve itself in our election. And so, yeah, that's a significant thing. On the other hand, uh, Donald Trump probably would have been elected anyway. I don't think the emails are the ones that all, the thing that ultimately did it. Hillary Clinton was a historically weak candidate and so on and so forth, and, and that's the reason why they lost is because of Hillary Clinton. Yeah, so, it, well, yeah it is. I, 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 I totally agree with you, by the way, and, and – people I was at CNN a couple of days ago and they look at me like that position is crazy that you can say, yeah, investigate. Yeah, this isn't good, but let's not all pretend that this changed the election because, you know, ultimately they want to push people into one camp or the other. Either you're a, a sort of a, a Russia hack denier or you're um, somebody that's willing to say that the election was was turned by this little Russian information operation. Yeah, I don't think the average voter in uh, you know some blue-collar county in Michigan or Pennsylvania or North Carolina, I don't think they went out and voted based on Russian propaganda because Russia told them to, or even because of the emails. I don't think that was what motivated people. I think they were motivated because they, they liked Donald Trump's ideas, and um, they also just, and on the other side of it, people just were not inspired, the liberals were not inspired by Hillary Clinton. They've never been inspired by her. This is a problem going back 30 years. And so that's that's why things turn out the way they did. I think it would have been. And the other problem is that the liberals run into here is that Hillary Clinton did win the popular vote by three million, uh, right? By whatever two two or three million votes. So it, the the problem isn't that just she just she lost. It's the states that she lost. That was the problem. So are we supposed to believe that the Russian propaganda, if that's what it was, uh, only worked particularly in places like Michigan and Pennsylvania and the states she needed to win? Yeah, I don't think so. So it just it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, and also I think they they all assumed even when the emails were coming out that Hillary was going to win anyway. <laughs> so that's they, n- none of them thought it was effective until after Trump won, and then all of a sudden this was the most genius thing. The New York Times, the piece today, the perfect weapon—that's what they're calling it. Which I don't know if you know this, Matt was actually a pretty marginal to suboptimal martial arts movie from the early '90s with Jeff Speakman, who did not have much of a career. I have to be honest. The martial arts movies, I, I am not well versed in those, and I feel uh, <laughs> okay. I feel I feel insufficient as a man because of that. Well, I know I, I do agree with you on best TV shows. I saw on Twitter uh, with The Wire and Breaking Bad. So good calls on those. Matt Walsh is the uh, author or is an author at theblaze.com and the author of the Matt Walsh blog. Go to the mattwalshblog.com and also download his podcast on the Blaze Radio. Matt, appreciate you making the time. Great talking to you. Thanks a lot, Buck. Team, we'll be right back. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. 
You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show only on the Blaze Radio Network. Let's take a call from Nick in Arizona. What's up, Nick? Hey, Buck. How you doing? Shield Ty from a fellow Great Beard Millennial and member of the IC. Oh, nice. So a little about my background before I ask my question. I'm a 16-year Army veteran. I started out as a door kicker, and then I transitioned into the IC uh, in the mid-2000s. And I uh, did two, de- two deployments to Iraq and two to Afghanistan, one as a contractor. So <clears throat> I have a movie quote for you if you want before I ask my question. Uh, Nick, you know what we're going to do, actually? Um, give me the movie quote, but we're going to hold your question to the top of the next hour, and then I'll address it because uh, we're literally about to run into a hard break. What's the movie quote first? All that hate is going to burn you up, kid. I got nothing. What is it? Oh, come on. Red Dawn. Oh, I've actually never seen Red Dawn. I'll be honest with you. Never seen it. I know. It's, it's, it is a gap in my movie, in my, especially my action movie, rah-rah America action movie knowledge. Uh, Nick, we'll, we'll keep you in. Uh, we got a guest, but we'll keep you in. If you can stay with us, we'll get your question afterwards. And uh, thank you for your service. Very impressive resume. We're going to be back in a little bit. Um, 888-900-3393. Guys, hold Nick over and see if he can wait. And... Uh, we're going to get into national security in hour three, so stay with me. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.